literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you tuning in. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. We're with the Austin American Statesman and Austin 360. And throughout the Austin Found podcast, the Armadillo World Headquarters is going to come up again and again and again and again. It's a big deal. It was a big deal. And I can't tell you how many times in, in in my lifetime people have asked me if I ever went to the Armadillo World Headquarters. And I was like, I probably would have, but I I was 12 years old when it <laughs> shut down. You know, here's what's really fun today. You're not going to believe, unless you probably saw it for yourself, or you just trust Michael Barnes as a reporter, <laughs> that there was a regular performance monthly of ballet. Of serious ballet. Uh, one of Austin's major ballet companies, Austin Ballet Theater, Perform there monthly from uh, October 1st, 1972 to December 7th, 1980. Which is almost the entire span of Armadillo World Headquarters. It's eight of the 10 years, yeah. Yeah. So we need to dig here and, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that might have felt like. But how on earth did the ballet end up being performed at Armadillo World Headquarters? There was a split of sorts. Right, right. The old ballet company called Austin Civic Ballet started in the 1950s and started doing the Nutcracker at the Municipal Auditorium in the early 60s. It had a wonderful character. Stanley Hall was was their artistic director, a British man, very tall and, and commanding. He broke with the board of Austin Civic Ballet and started his own group, Austin Ballet Theater, which is the one that ended up playing at the Armadillo because they didn't have any place to play and they didn't have any money because it was the board who had the money. So for eight years, they played in a beer hall and just about every mention of it that you find includes the phrase beer and ballet. We do talk about the history of Armadillo World Headquarters. The thing that always comes up is how it brought different people together culturally, right? It's the rednecks and the hippies got together. Right? But also the arts people, the, the ballet folks, the balletto mains, as they are called, they were serious about it. Now, they tried to do a lot of light entertainment as well. These were trained dancers. This was a artistic director who had been active in, in British ballet for years, had performed in the tubes in London during the bombing of London during World War II. So it was a, a, a certified ballet company. And that person you're referencing was a guy named Stanley Hall. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, he was no stranger to performing in odd spaces. <laughs> and for non-traditional audiences. One of the things that came up in this story that that my main source was Caroline Sutton Clark, who had written her PhD on it on ballet at the Armadillo, and she hadn't she had danced with Austin Civic Ballet in the eighties, but she'd never heard of this whole thing of ballet at the uh, Armadillo, and so she really chased down all the sources. One of the things we discussed 
was how marvelous it must have been for people to just see ballet on such a casual level. Like you didn't spend $90 a ticket and then get stuck in a seat and have to watch something you didn't like. Dressed up as part of it too, right? You wore your shorts and your flip-flops and you paid your $3. You know, you said, well, what's playing today? Who's playing today? It was the ballet. Cool. All right. <laughs> you could have said Willie Nelson's playing tonight. Okay. Instead, the answer is it's a ballet. And the reaction was, okay, well, come on in. I, yeah. I, that's mind boggling to me. Very awesome. Speaks a lot about what the culture was like at, at this facility. People were there to see what it had to offer. Yeah. And part of the other perceptual twist in this is, is that you got to move around. Unlike if you were to go to the Long Center of Best Concert Hall to see something like this. And you're stuck in your seat and you're stuck in your seat and you're stuck in your seat and and the intermission comes and you just can't wait to get out in the lobby. Well, at the Armadillo, just like at most nightclubs, you could move around and you could watch a little bit of it and go back out to the, you know, the patio and hang out there. And and there's a freedom to that. It's very liberating. I have to tell you, because I was 15 years an arts critic and I would just feel like a prisoner in my seat. My goodness, if it started, if it wasn't good, I was realizing I was going to be stuck there for two, three hours <laughs> in my seat. And everybody knew who I was, so I couldn't sneak out. Right. At the Armadillo on Ballet Night, which they did once a month, did they alter the menu at all? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Because everything had a food element to it in Eddie Wilson's circus. But I don't know if they changed the menu for the for the ballet. Because I'm just I'm picturing people getting, you know, beer, the little Lone Star and some nachos. And why not? Right. Why not? Just to give some clarity to people, this story about ballet being performed at Armadillo World Headquarters, it, it has a genealogy of the ballet culture in Austin. Can you kind of map that out? How it started, the split, and where it ended up today is what is the relationship? Well, it started out in the 1950s, I think 1954, and just some culturati uh, got together and decided we, we need a, a ballet company here. Some uh, touring ballet had come through, and so they really, we needed an indigenous ballet company. And so they were able within the first 10 years to put on some fairly good things. Um, for instance, their Nutcracker, it wasn't the whole story uh, ballet. It was pieces from it. So sort of like a Nutcracker suite. And then Stanley Hall had been hired and was uh, much admired, but also, you know, there, there was a clash with the board. Some say it because he was gay. I find that hard to believe. So he went his way with the Austin Ballet Theater and the Austin Civic Ballet was the one that got better and better and turned into Ballet Austin. And it really took off in the 1990s with the hiring of Cookie Ruiz as the managing director and uh, Stephen Mills as the artistic director. And those two are the most effective <laughs> arts leaders tied together in one institution. I mean, there, there are a lot of others. I don't want to diss anyone, but they are just practically without mistake. And they've turned the ballet into something that's not only a, a national treasure, but international. 
I mean, they've toured Europe, they've toured China. They've, they're, they've gone from being when I first got to know them in the eighties as being just kind of, okay, almost mediocre to being really, really top notch. Michael, I'm dying to know in your 30 plus years of reporting here in the Austin ever, you know, and being a, a celebrity in that right. How many times have you been Mother Ginger for the Nutcracker? Only once. But <laughs> I resisted it for years. They asked me over and over. Forrest Priest, who is used to be the the recruiter for Mother Ginger. And if, for people who haven't seen it, they dress you up in this gigantic dress. You're in a you're way up on a platform that moves around. And you've got this huge makeup on and underneath you are all these little children that come out of your dress, like dozens of them. And there's a choreography for them, but there's also a choreography for you as the guest mother ginger. And you do things uh, that may relate to your world or your profession. And I I think one of the best I ever saw was Vince Young, who (laughs) who just slayed. (laughs) He was great. You know, he was doing all of the hook 'em horn stuff and football-y stuff. And, but I enjoyed doing it a lot. Yeah. And I did get to do it one time also. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, being a radio personality. And it's, I think that one of the most amazing things about it is they, they treat you like you are a rock star. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're so right. Orders and champagne. And it, it was quite an experience. And the makeup lady is talented out of the world because you you end up something that looks like a horror show, but at the same time, exciting and and appropriate for the character. You know, when you were digging into this story to find out about the ballet at at the Armadillo, that you met some interesting people. And, you know, it started with Caroline that you mentioned, who was working on on this as her Her dissertation and uh one of her big sources was Greg Easley. Now, it's very sad. Greg recently passed away at a young age, and suddenly, and you know, the whole arts community was mourning about that. But Greg was the one who picked up the banner for Austin Ballet Theater uh, after Stanley, and he had all of the ballet company's records because the ballet company went on after they left the um, Armadillo. And play various places. I saw them. I wrote about them. But uh, Greg was really great about preserving those archives. And then uh, another big breakthrough came when Caroline found Judy Thompson Price, who has been a choreographer and dancer around town for many, many years. And it turns out, and she was with the Austin Ballet Theater at the at the Armadillo. She's one of these people who can instantly memorize everyone's choreography. And she wrote it all down. This is like almost like savant level type of skill. Yeah. It's like somebody who reads a book and memorizes it. it. She had the old index cards from all the dances that Austin Ballet Theater ever did. And so they could be recreated. But that's an amazing talent. Well, and that's one of the remarkable things about this monthly performance, again, at the Armadillo, was it was most often different month to month. Oh, yeah. No, they do recycle some things, as all companies do. They try to have new stuff as often as possible. And, you know, I just, it it just struck me right now. I wish I'd seen them there. That would have been just a hoot. 
do you think it was kind of inspired by, you know, especially your, you know, your love and, and study of theater when we went through that era where people were doing things and, and happenings and open spaces and experimental, did that probably inspire this to? Well, you're JB, you're a very good student. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was that era. And the idea of performance just happening anywhere in a plaza, uh, in a train station. And, and of course, you know, that is a very old theme and, and has returned. I've just was the other night without anything else to do was watching uh, crosswalk theater on YouTube and they do a, a, a very extravagant. What is it called? The, the, where suddenly everybody bursts into song and dance. Uh, oh, a, uh, um, oh, a flash mob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been kind of a, hot thing but that was that's nothing new no so the the ballet at the armadillo the hippies had seen it all the rednecks they had to learn that there were all all kinds of things out there you know and one of them was was uh ballet and i think they treated it with respect i think they they enjoyed the variety and uh, i think it it's just so austin I, i i hate to keep saying that but that openness to something different, that openness to change is a, um, a core ingredient in the Austin character, I think. Oh, man, that's what a quote. <laughs> that is such a good description of uh, Austin culture and got us uh, to where we are today. That particular story is in volume two of Michael Barnes's book, Indelible Austin, if you'd like to read more about that. That's right. And Indelible Austin, all three volumes are available at bookstores and gift shops. Sue Patrick up on Burnett Road. Uh, I've been urging people to use book people uh, because they do uh, ship and they do have curbside service. Uh, All these places will have a copy of it in the library. You can get it at the library. You know what? It's, It's so funny you mentioned that. I just before the pandemic hit. I got a library card, which I hadn't had since I was a kid because I was fascinated by the central library. And I was like, I need to, and I would go spend some time down there and just hang out and get some work done, do whatever. Cause it's boy, what an amazing place. And sometimes you just need that reminder, right? Right. I, I got a sneak peek at the uh, new central library and just as a reporter, I wasn't even going to write it up, but my editor said, yes, you are. You're the only person who's been inside of it. So I did. It was a big hit. It's on page one. But uh, I have to you know, confess that I was tickled that there was a little display of my books there in ah. <laughs> in the, the local authors section. And, you know, that never gets old. I'm sorry. You know, I, I grew up reading books, reading newspapers. And it's it's still a little bit of a thrill to see something you've done being read by other people. Or listened to by other people. Or listened to. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget the other senses. <laughs> hey, thank you for tuning in to Austin Found. We really do appreciate it. If you don't mind sharing this on socials, letting your friends and family know about Austin Found, we would greatly appreciate that. And uh, thanks for tuning in. 
And we'll have guests soon, I promise. I know, we're getting so close. We're getting so close. I feel it. I feel it when this pandemic is over, we will have all kinds of interesting people on here. Yeah, for reference, if you're listening to this at another time and place, it's, it's, you know, February of 2021. The vaccines are starting to go out. There's the glimmer of hope ahead. Yeah. History is being made right now. I know, right? And we're ready for it to stop. Right. (laughs) Again, thanks for tuning in. Happy trails.